Welcome to the Well Stylist Podcast, a podcast for women who want to elevate their thinking, increase their confidence with money, and discover the path to building a meaningful business. I'm your host, Natasha Campbell, founder of WellStylist.com, money expert, speaker, and coach. I'm not your average money expert. That's because I aim to do more than to teach you how to budget and save for your audacious goals. Women like you come to me to live happier, financially healthier, and more fulfilled in life. If you're ready to design the life that you love, then you're in the right place. Hey guys, welcome to episode 26, where I speak with Bola Shakumbi. Bola is a certified financial education instructor, finance expert, speaker, writer, podcaster, social media influencer, and founder of Clever Girl Finance, a platform that empowers and educates women to make the best financial decisions for their current and future selves and to pursue their dreams of financial independence in order to live the life on their terms. CleverGirlFinance.com has been voted as one of the top personal finance website for women. Bola has been featured by Time.com, Money Magazine, Cheddar TV, NYC Picks 11 News, CBN News, the Chicago Tribune, as well as several other financial websites and podcasts. I am super excited to have a discussion with Bola where we talk about how to build a meaningful life and business you love. Welcome to the podcast, Bola. I'm excited to have you to talk about how to build a meaningful, profitable business. Before we dive in, I would love for you to share who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. Uh, my name is Bola. Like you said, Shukumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Cleverwell Finance. And Cleverwell Finance is an online financial education platform and community for women. And our mission is to empower women to achieve financial wellness and be able to get to a point where they're living a life that they love, a life on their own terms, and they're not constantly worrying about money every single day. I love that. And I love so much of what your brand has done in the community. I think it resonates with every woman where they are on their financial journey. It's like you're meeting them where they're at, if they're starting a business, if they want to save, if they want to get out of debt. And so I have learned a lot about your brand through a mutual friend. Um, we were in like a Slack group together, which we shared before we started recording. And from that point on, I've became a follower of your brand because I believe that you advocate for women's best behalf when it comes to the personal finance space. With that being said, could you share your unscripted personal story that led you to where you are in this moment? So that's quite a long story. And it really, you know, there's so many places to start that lead up to me starting Clever Girl Finance. But, you know, I'll just touch on a few areas. So when I had just given birth to my kids um, and I went back to work, I have twins, I got into this space where I was feeling a little bit unfulfilled. It could have been the postpartum depression. It could have been, I don't know what it was, maybe that. Um, and I just felt like I wanted to do something that meant something. So I have a background in technology. I studied computer science in college. Um, and I worked in technology. I love technology. You know, I loved my job, but it wasn't like, my thing it wasn't like mine it was I was working for a company and doing great work for them but you know it wasn't like a passion job and so I started brainstorming on all the different things I could do because I also wanted to build a life where I could 
build my own schedule and spend time with my kids, especially when they were so young. And so I was brainstorming for about the first two years and I just couldn't figure it out. And I had this book, which I still have, where I would write down all these different ideas I had for, federal, for um, you know, business ideas. And everything I wrote, you know, looking back on it in retrospect, was leading back to finance. And I remember the day that I got the idea for federal finance, um, a friend of mine had come to visit and, you know, my babies were in the living room, they were taking a nap and we were talking about business. And I was like, well, you know, I have this photography business, I have this online retail shop, but I want to do something that really, really matters. And she's like, you always talk about money. Why don't you just teach women about money? We, we talk about investing and saving all the time. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, I go back to my book where I was writing all my ideas. And I see that everything I had written had to do with helping women or, you know, financial something or investing or saving or something. And I was like, wait a minute. I should start something to empower other women and at least be able to share my story or share my thoughts on how I'm managing my finances and achieving financial freedom. So, when I, you know, when I share that story, I usually get asked, well, why do you care about money? <laughs> um, and that goes back to a different story, you know, just going back to the way I was raised and growing up. So my family background is a bit complex, um, which I don't really, you know, get into or share a lot. A lot of people don't know that about me, but I come from two very different um parents who had different families um, my grandfather on my dad's side did not believe in the education of a female child um, my dad has a twin sister who does not you know she's not formally educated she doesn't read and write she doesn't speak English and my grandfather you know was that way because of the whole colonization and you know, all the things that happened you know 100 years ago <laughs> um, when he's so my, my dad is 80 so my grandfather you know this is like talking about the prior generation and then my mom's side, um, they, you know, they were all about education, but my mom had a really, really hard time growing up because her parents did not initially believe that she was going to succeed. Um, that's another different story. And so my parents got married and my mom got married really young. And she got to this point where as she was making progress in her marriage, having kids, she had four kids, she started to see other women that were her friends, like either getting divorced, losing their husbands, different things would happen and they would just be down and out with no money. And my mom just never wanted to be that person. And so when my mom was, I believe, 32 or 33, she decided that she was going to go to college after she had had her four kids and she would take me to her college classes. And the reason why she wanted to go to college was so that she could get a job to be able to contribute to our household and be able to have her own financial, you know, foundation for herself in the event that something happened god forbid but you know my parents are still married today they've been married for 50 years mm -hmm. um so she did that and she took me along with her to classes she got her degrees and she just started hustling she was working as an investment banker she uh, opened a school she opened a hair salon she opened a coca-cola franchise this was back in nigeria she um, opened a bakery she did all these different things and she started putting money aside for herself and then, you know, fast forward um, time for me to go to college, my dad experiences a financial downturn. And, you know, my dad is one of those people where he strongly believes in education. And so a lot of his income went to educating my brothers at the best schools that he could afford. And so retiring 15 years earlier impacts your financial plan in a major way, especially when, you know, <laughs> you're planning retirement. So my dad was like, listen, I can't afford to send you to any of these schools. Um, I can't afford to do this. We're going to downsize to a smaller house. We're going to downsize to just having one car, all these different changes. My mom was like, well, you know what? I've been saving money. And so I'm going to take on that responsibility of giving you the opportunity Bola, to go to college without any debt and I will pay for it. And, you know, it's not your right. It's not like <laughs> definitely not a trust fund. <laughs> so retirement saving. 
<laughs> and we're talking about well, you're you know giving you this opportunity. You, your you know thing is that you're going to get good grades and you're going to look for scholarships where you can get them as an international student and you're going to graduate with flying colors and remember where you came from. And so that story, you know, watching my friend, my mom look at her friends, seeing her friends come to our house, you know, friends saying, oh, my husband has kicked me out. I don't know what to do. I have no money was, you know, made an impression on me as a child. And so that's part of um, ties into my overall story with starting Clever Wealth Finance. I love that. And your mom is such a, I, the word that I want to say, I won't say it on the podcast episode, <laughs> but she just did not allow money to be an issue for her or a stop sign. She actually decided to stand in her power. She realized yeah. her worth and decided to make a shift because I often believe that many times, you know, depending on your money story, we could hold ourselves hostage to a self-imposed prison based on our mindset because of the experience that, you know, has been part of our upbringing growing up. My money story is very different from yours, Bola. Um, my mother, she was practically a single parent. My father, he died when I was 13 from a, a heroin. He was a cocaine addict. He was very smart, very brilliant. He had his own business, but he was introduced to drugs um, during that time. And my mom and my dad lost pretty much everything. And so I saw her struggle a lot. And the only thing that shifted for, well, there were many shifting moments um, in my life. I think I always say that in life, it's always teaching you something, but many times we're not patient enough or we don't take a time to pause to actually listen to what it's trying to teach us because mm -hmm. we're so busy going and going. There were many breaking points, you know, living where there was prostitutes and drug dealers living next to wow. two hotels. You know, that's what I saw growing up. Although I had mentors who really... I think that was one of the pivotal moments is having mentors who really guided my journey because I was going to college at a very young age. Um, I think at this time I was in ninth grade and I was going to University of Miami and I did not want to go because I didn't see anyone in my community who were doing yeah. anything to that nature. And so the lady that was the program director she drove to my house and she would pick me up and drop me to that university because <laughs> she didn't want me to not take part in that opportunity and that experience. And by the time I moved on, I ended up, you know, going to Barry University at a very young age. And so I was exposed to a different form of element. With, even with that exposure, I still had limiting beliefs about myself and about my money because I still went home and saw what I saw. You know, my mom's still struggling, you know, me looking into how can I make more money. I think I knew about entrepreneurship before I even knew that that was the word because I would sell candy and, you know, just to try to make it easier for my mother and buy mm -hmm. my own clothes and what so have you. But I think the most pivotal mo moment that happened for me was when I had my premature daughter. And I share this, you know, a lot of my podcast episode because I gave birth to her at 27 weeks. That whole thing shifted my world because I didn't know anything about the NICU. I hadn't prepared in advance for it. I had studied finance. I graduated from college and I was still financially dysfunctional. At that time, I only had $150 in my savings account. Wow. And I, at my five month uh, pregnancy, the doctor told me I was no longer able to work. So I had to go on bed rest from that point up until I had her. And even, you know, after having her, she still needed to be nurtured and cared for. So I didn't work for almost a year. And I just said to myself, this cannot be my story. 
I cannot allow this to be her story because I decided not to stand and, you know, become knowledgeable or stand in my position of power because I feel that money is more about us standing into our position of power <laughs> more than anything yeah. else. Um, and so that kind of guided my journey. And I didn't, I would caution anyone listening to, you know, just because what happened in your past, your brother, sister, whomever, you get an opportunity to rewrite your truth. You get an opportunity to rewrite your money story. And so you don't, you no longer have to, and I call it the negative, the um, negative committee inside your head. My negative committee, her name is Sheila. And so I often tell <laughs> Sheila, no, I have to tell Sheila, like, sit down and shut up, Sheila. Like, we are going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do this, but I just know, Sheila, that we are going to do this. You know, because sometimes we're always combating that negative committee in our head. And yes. fast forward, I fast forward a year later, my husband and I had saved $16,000. We had paid off all our debt. We had purchased our first home all within a year after her coming home from the hospital. Wow. And, you know, I mean, that's... and. That's how I got started into helping women because I knew that when I started, I was at a place where I was broken spiritually, emotionally, financially, mentally, physically. I mean, I just think God was like, I'm going to hit you in every single area so that when you're talking to women, you're going to be like, I understand everything that you have gone through. This is my story and this is how I can help you because this is how I did it. Um, so I love that you share your story. I think that's how we make those intimate connections with, um, you know, our community, the people that connect with our brand to let them know that we're still human. <laughs> yes, yes. That, I think that's just people recognizing that you are a human being is, <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, something that sometimes gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so is. definitely sharing, you know, stories, our stories is really important to kind of remind people that hey I you know this is the reason why this exists you know and it also helps them to reflect on their lives and knowing somebody else's story even mm -hmm. even if they can't relate to it directly they can still get empowered and motivated by the parts the elements that speak to them of someone mm -hmm. else's story that's very true now you're a full-time business owner so my question for you Bola is how did you plan to transition or how did you transition from corporate to full-time entrepreneurship uh, so I got to the point where I couldn't manage both. That's That was basically the transition okay. point. Um, but along the way, I knew that I wanted to be able to do what I was what I do now full-time. And so I started planning, saving money, putting money aside so that when I did get to the point where, if I did, if and when I did get to the point where I was ready to make a transition where I couldn't balance full-time work and business anymore, you know, together, then um, me, me making that transition would not be a financial burden on my family. Mm -hmm. And so I was saving, putting money aside to do that. I love that. And during that season, you know, and even in your season of now, how do you stay connected to your vision during difficult seasons of building your creative empire? I mean, <laughs> that's a, you know, it's just reminding myself of my why, you know, so I'm fortunate to be running a business where I'm really passionate about helping people um, I don't do this for the money um, because then I would not do this <laughs> yes, very true. Um, um, you know I could be comfortably working my six-figure job you know contributing my 401k saving my <laughs> money, 
<laughs> you know, living my best life. When you own a business, there's a lot of things that it's, you know, when it's, it's, it looks glamorous, like you said at the beginning, but there's a lot of things. There's, for me, the biggest part is just the mental anguish of building a business and trying to figure out the puzzle, which is which really is what business is. You're figuring out a puzzle to achieve growth and scalability and at the same time you're impacting lives and that's a big responsibility like I take the fact that I'm able to help other women with their finances very very seriously and so staying connected to my vision is just remembering my why and remembering um, the fact that I'm helping people and people are letting me know that Clever All Finance is helping and changing their lives and just reminding myself that I have a responsibility since I put myself out there to continue to help these women so some some days are just really difficult. Some days I want to quit. Some days I'm just over mm-hmm. it. Some days I'm just like telling my husband, you know what, this is this doesn't make any sense. I don't need to do this. Why am I doing this? I'm exhausted. I'm always working. And other days I'm like, you know what, I can do this. I can do this. But I think that's just part of the cycle of business, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of emotional overwhelm. It's a lot of mental anguish sometimes. But the rewards can be outstanding. They can be amazing. Knowing that you're helping other people. Um, I would do this for free. So for me, it's really remembering what my why is and staying focused on that. I love that. And as you shared, and I think we shared before um, we started recording about having our breakdown moments um, when we're pursuing purpose. However, I believe that those breakdown moments are really breakthrough moments for us. Mm-hmm. Because for me, at least, I like to take a step back. When I start to get frustrated, when I start to get overwhelmed, I do a lot of mirror work personally. Um, And as a result of my journey with my personal finances, what I believe is that when a woman has her, like when a woman has a positive mindset about herself, it helps to influence, you know, her confidence with money and what she's able to give back to her family, her community, and ultimately, you know, the world serving in her purpose. And so for me, it's important to have mental health more than anything. When I first started my business, I thought it was all about me. I was like, oh, yeah, it's all about me, you know. <laughs> and that was the quickest way to, you know, go down the hill and crash and burn because that's really like an ego mindset. And really, that was a source of fear. Um, as well, instead of moving from a position of love um, and connecting with women and really getting to know who they are. And so I learned a lot of lessons through a lot of the mistakes that I've made. However, you know, when it comes to my vision, I've had moments where I've quit well, I wouldn't say quit. I would say rest. <laughs> so there were moments of rest where I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be bothered. And then I'll get like an email or I'll get like a DM and someone will say, you know what, Natasha, what you said really resonated with me. Your perspective on this issue helped me to make this decision with my finances. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll get back <laughs> and start doing this this again and then you know it's like those little I think they're little nudges to kind of remind us hey you can still do this you know the universe is I always believe that the universe is here to support us in everything that we're doing Mm -hmm. and I think those little nudges kind of remind us of that and also you know staying committed to your vision Uh, my husband and I we post our vision in our bedroom 
we keep it there because we want to consistently see it. But not just that, I also keep my vision board in my purse. So I have a full, like a, like a little file folder and it's like a little, uh, you know, it's colorful. I got it from Target and in there <laughs> I glue pictures of my vision. So when I get frustrated and I'm sitting at a coffee shop or wherever, and I'm like, you know what, this is not going the way that I want to do go. And then I'll look in my purse and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll open up my vision board and kind of remind myself, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, you know, my family, but also the kind of impact and the legacy that I want to have, because I honestly believe that with everything that we're doing, the people who hear our information become the heirs to what we're sharing to them. And they ultimately take that information and they can transform their lives. And I kind of, I'm very mindful of that. And it just kind of, you know, putting little, I think, regimens in place or creating little environments to kind of remind you, okay, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I used to keep a little sticky note next to my ignition switch. So that every oh, time I, I love get, that. Yeah, and every time I get in my car, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> remind, like, I need daily reminders. My husband's like, this is like a sticky note house. You have sticky notes everywhere. If I that's have, what works. Yeah, I have them in my bathroom. I have them in my car. And my daughter, she's decided <laughs> sticky note life herself and so she sticky notes everything as well but I think that's for me what helps me stay connected is that the people that remind us you know why we're doing what we're doing you know Mm -hmm. and show us I guess love on the journey and so with that life unscripted (laughs) what, what what advice would you share with someone just starting out who feels scattered overwhelmed confused about you know finding their niche when they want to do it all i think you need to give yourself the grace to understand that um there's no pressure there's no pressure um there's no you know a lot of us will put ourselves under timelines i need to do this by this date by this date but if you haven't figured it out um, as opposed to overwhelming yourself, I would say step back and just start to explore your, especially if you don't know, some people already know the kind of business they're going to run. If it's a passion business, uh, just focus on income or, you know, an interest business, like, you know, things they're interested in, but not necessarily passionate about. But if you don't know that, just step back and figure out, okay, what are the things that you like to, that you enjoy doing, that you feel happy doing, that you feel would have a positive impact on the people you'd be serving? Like, Think, just step back and give yourself time to reflect on what it is that you could potentially want to do. And, it, it, you know, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Um, talk to your friends, talk to people around you and just, you know, talk to them about different ideas. A lot of times I will bring some with friends about, let's talk about different business ideas, you know, it's, and it'd be random ideas that would never cross my mind. And then I would take those ideas and reflect on them and say, you know what, or, you know, am I interested in this? Yes, this sounds really, this sounds like something that I want to invest my money in or I want, or I might want to explore. So just give yourself the grace to release the pressure and just give yourself time to find what works for you. And if it, you know, everybody, I feel like we're in this day and age of like hustle, mm-hmm. hustle where you have to have this, you know, um, hustle. Um, but you don't need to have a hustle, you know, like, if it's excelling at your job, you know, and making your job that 
hustle and doing it really well, then that's also an option. So Mm -hmm. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) I think that's really important um, is realizing that, you know, you shared that as your truth, but realizing that you don't have to have it and do it all, you know, and that's where I had to create my own definition of what success meant for me. And so I always share with women that true success is about designing a life that works best for you, not for the Joneses, not for cousin Betty or auntie (laughs) Sue. It's about designing a lifestyle that works best for you. And I came to that point because, um, you know, starting out, I was saying yes to everything. I was so out of alignment. I was so exhausted. I was so overwhelmed that my marriage started to take a turn. Mm. And that was one of the pivotal moments for me where I was asking myself, what in the world are you doing? You are so out of alignment because I'm a very holistic person. I'm very heart centered. I'm very compassionate when I talk to women. And that was just so out of alignment with myself that I wasn't telling my truth. And it caused, you know, it put us in a place where we had to go to marriage counseling for almost a year. And it was a lot of awakening moments for me. It was a lot of self-awareness that needed to happen. And I knew that I couldn't continue to do the things that I was doing anymore. Mm -hmm. And that I had to make a shift so that I can continue to have, not I wouldn't say balance, but live in harmony with the things that matter most to me. And so a lot of my messaging started to shift. You know, I don't do as much as I said I would do. You know, I start to um, time block, make adjustments to my schedule, scheduling time for family and not feeling that I need to have it all and do it all and be it all because that's the quickest way to burn out. That's the quickest way to get overwhelmed. You know, that's the quickest way. And that's not self-care, to be honest. You know, self-care is making sure that you're in alignment with yourself, that you feel whole, that you feel present for the people that truly, you know, the people that you love. And so that was an awakening moment for me. Now we're really in a beautiful space because it has taught us a lot of lessons. And I always say that as parents, we give our kids this invisible suitcase. And when we go out in the world in that suitcase, there are lessons, there are strategies, there are tools. And I know when it came for me with money, I opened my suitcase and there was nothing in there. I was like, (laughs) like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, where's my strategies about money? (laughs) There was nothing in there. I looked at, you know, the suitcase for relationships. There was nothing in there. So I was with a toolbox that had no tools. And so for me, you know, a lot a lot of people have this stigma around getting support from a therapist. For me, all that meant is that I realized that what I was doing wasn't working and that I needed to go and get the tools that I needed to put in my toolbox so that when things start to happen, I can open up that invisible suitcase and say, oh, this is what we did. This is what we did. This is how we can do that. And that's kind of like the same thing when it comes to your money, too. Um, So I know we kind of deviated a little bit, but back to, you know, niching. I would say idea mapping, like you shared, looking at what ideas, you know, and also validating those ideas before you invest a lot of money. I think that that's really key is not just saying, okay, this is my idea. Let me go and spend thousands of dollars on this course and thousands of dollars on this program. Instead, you know, looking at the idea and testing it out in the market and see if it's something that you're passionate about first. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, the people that are passionate about are getting on board. So, you know, what do you wish you knew when you were starting out that you know now? (laughs) Oh, I mean, oh, goodness, everything. And there's so much, right? Um, I don't even know where to start with that. 
there was so much I wish I knew. I mean, I kind of had, I had businesses prior to this. And so I kind of had the expectation, but like the one thing that I would say that I wish I knew was just really um, the emotional part of business. I kind of knew it, but the businesses that I was running prior to this one were not passion businesses. They were more interest businesses. And so I was a bit emotionally detached from them. Like I loved doing them. I loved doing photography. I loved having my online retail store and they were great, but it wasn't like a passion business because um, it just, that just wasn't, you know, what it was for me. It was an interest. They were interest businesses, but shifting into having a passion business, which is what Clever Finance is, there's a, a lot of, like this thing is now part and part part and parcel of my life and so just the full disclosure and what that really means emotionally um something that I wish I would have known but at the same time it's like a catch-22 because I'm like if I knew what I was getting into would I have actually gotten into it so I don't know if I'm not not the best you know probably not the best response for this question <laughs> but I'm just being honest <laughs> I think we can all relate, Bola. <laughs> I think for me, um, I would say being patient with myself. Because I'm that high achieving person, I felt like everything had to happen right now, in this instant, in this moment. Um, and that was the surest way to put, put up a lot of guardrails for me. Um, as I was pursuing purpose. And so I would say, you know, being patient with yourself, realizing that there's a divine time for everything and that we all have our specific people, places and spaces that we're attached to. And another thing I would say is, you know, I've had to learn to prepare for opportunities before they exist. I think mm -hmm. many times yep. we are waiting. We're like, oh, I'm just going to wait until someone comes and see what I'm doing. Well, what are you doing in the meantime before that person comes to you, before that brand comes to you, before that client comes to you? How are you preparing for that opportunity before it existed? And I think that that, was, that would be a lesson <laughs> or one of the things I wish I would have told myself before um, starting out is to prepare in the moment so that when that divine connection or that opportunity comes, you have a framework laid out already with whether it's content, testimonial experiences that you can share. Absolutely. Um, and I love reading your testimonials you share on social media um, because it displays the lives, you know, of Clever Girl Finance and how their lives have been transformed and impacted. How did you create a remarkable platform despite the competition in the marketplace? So, Clever All Finance is, I, I won't say I don't recognize competition, but I created a platform that I would have wanted to have when it was, um, when I was in the space of like get, figuring out my finances. Um, and my goal is to listen to my audience, um, the audience that's, that's unique to Clever All Finance, that loves Clever All Finance and creates stuff that they want to use to help them solve their problems. So competition exists. I'm all about healthy competition. Um, I'm actually friends with some of my competitors, <laughs> a lot of them in this space, personal finance, you know, it's like, it's, I don't ca call it competition. I would look at it more like, you know, how can we collaborate? But for me, it's really focusing um, less on the competition. Yes, it's good to know what they're doing just so you can, you know, know what's happening in your space but my focus is really on my audience and how can I serve them and what 
can I do to make their experience the best experience ever? And how can we constantly improve? Like even when people leave Clever Off Finance or they cancel, um, you know, their, their membership with us, we are constantly asking them, hey, what did something go wrong? Or if nothing went wrong, what would you like to see? And, you know, we keep them engaged and we continue to keep them as part of our broader community, even though they're not with us. And so for us, it's just focusing on our customer, putting our customer first, servicing our customers' needs, especially in the financial wellness space, um, you know, for them and just allowing ourselves to be that business as they're deserved. And that's really, you know, the angle that we're coming from. I love that. I love that. And I went to a conference, um, I would say about a year ago, maybe more than that, um, to be honest. And one of the presenters there shared that she didn't believe in competition either. She believed in co-opetition. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I love that. You know, meaning that we each have our individual business entities. However, we can still collaborate for the common good of all. And yep. that just resonated with me in such a big way um, because we can all still make an impact, make an income, do, you know, serve in the marketplace and still help one another. Um, and so for the listeners that are an aspiring entrepreneur, you know, when thinking about starting your own business, what are some foundational things that they should consider in order to establish a successful business model? So a few things to consider, um, you know, for someone who is getting to that space where, okay, I'm thinking about starting a business or I have a business and I'm trying to make it successful. Um, number one, you need to have a business plan. You need to be able to answer the question about what are you trying to build? Who are you building it for? And why should they want to hire you? What makes you unique? What's going to be your angle? I think that is really, really important, having that business plan. And the big mistake people make when it comes to business planning is that they think that this thing has to be like 100 pages long. It can just be a couple of pages. It can be your notes. You know, It can be a document you create or something on your phone to start out with where you just really lay out, who's my business for? You know. Um, what is a business about? Why should they hire me? What is it going to cost me to set it up? What are some things I can put in place and make sure that um, I'm running this business properly, like mentoring, like, sorry, like marketing, like collaborations. So you really have to understand what your business is about. Um, if you cannot articulate what your business is about, then how is your customer going to be able to do that or understand what it is that you're trying to sell to them or offer them? And so having that business plan, you cannot wing it. You need to have a plan. The same way you have a plan for your finances, the same way you have a plan for your wedding, the same way you have a plan for your education you need to have a plan for your business so you can create a path as to where you want your business to go um the other thing that is really important that has been just like incredible uh, for me personally is having mentors and advisors finding the people that can stand in your corner that have experienced what you've experienced it could be your peers it could be people well advanced beyond you it could be like i don't care who it is but people who are in that headspace that can help you succeed and I will not accept the excuse that you can't find mentors because if I could find mentors, you can find mentors. I am an extremely introverted person, even though my um, outward outward appearance doesn't show it. Um, I'm one of those people that once I put myself out there, I have to take like several days to kind of recharge myself because it, it takes so much <laughs> mental effort for me to do even an Instagram live, you know, like it's a lot for me to do those. Okay. And so I had to put myself out there to network. I had to force myself completely get out of my comfort zone, network, find mentors, find advisors. And I have some incredible people in my corner. 
and you need those people especially when you your emotions on those days when your emotions start to overwhelm you and you're just like oh my god i can't deal with this and you reach out to them they will support you they will give you advice they will review what you're doing they'll you know they'll just guide you and that's really important and then the third thing i would say is it's important to be open-minded um, and open to feedback. Um, and I mean, be prepared to pivot. Don't get stuck up in this idea that is just the one thing you can do. Um, your idea can can take many paths to lead to su- many paths to lead to success. And the one mistake you can make is to just get stuck on this one path and it doesn't work out. And you're like, oh, this is not meant to be for me. I'm just not really good at business. So be open-minded. Be be ready to pivot. Be ready to change. Um, your pathway to get to that end goal of the success that you're trying to achieve with your business. I think you touched on so many great points, Bola. Um, The first one being that uh, you don't have to have like this 100 page um, business plan. When I went to, I got my MBA and we talked about business school and I don't know how I always became the leader of groups, but I was (laughs) almost 90% of the time I became the leader of these groups. Um, And one of the things we had to do is it was like a dummy not a dummy but a that's what we called it but it was like a pretend organization and we had to create a business plan and it was tons of pages overwhelming and it doesn't have to be that way no it doesn't you know when you go download a business plan template you're going to get like a corporation template of like coca-cola business plan (laughs) seven thousand pages like, oh my god you're not building coca-cola come on <laughs> it's so true i don't even use that right now i, I hate business plan templates i hate them like don't do it just write take it out of your head what are you can google what are the key things that should be in a business plan and get those key points but don't download any template because you just overwhelm your life it, it, it's very true i don't even use a template i use sticky notes i told you i'm a sticky note girl yes. and so i use the business model canva canvas and yeah, I, that's awesome. I love it i love and i've learned about it through um sba um because i do have a mentor that's there um and sba means small business uh administration and i became the poster child of this business canvas and I just happened to be sitting there. She invited me to come to a presentation. And as they're doing their presentation, she shows a picture of me with my business canvas. And I'm like, no! <laughs> because she's been doing presentations at different places. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So everyone has seen me and see my big smile and all these sticky notes everywhere. Um, and so for me, the business canvas is very visual if you're a visual person, which I am. Um, And it just simply allows you to identify who your channels are, what's your value proposition, what's your cost structure, how are you going to generate revenue, you know, who are your customers, how are you know, your customer segment, what are some of the key resources that you need. And, you know, something to always keep in mind is that your business model is always evolving. Even at this point, I took off all my sticky note, and this is something I plan to do today and reorganize it because there's some shift that's happening for me and my business. And so being flexible, being open-minded about that and not re- not thinking that it has to stay, this is it and that is it and that's the done-all, be-all, it's always evolving. Um, and I love the fact that you share about mentors. I'm always like looking for mentors. I take a stack of... Um, and 
I don't know if I should share this, but I go ahead and share it. <laughs> I take a stack of cards. Thank you cards with me everywhere I go. I keep it in my car. And when I go to different events or different conferences, I write a personal note, put my business card in there and I hand it to the presenter. I have built so many relationships from that because many times we don't get handwritten notes. And yes. so one of my mentors, she was like, that was so sweet. And when I went to visit her, she had it hanging up on her in her office. And I was like, wow. Wow. And so that was just another way, you know, putting those healthy environments in place to show people that you care, to thank them for their service, and to also help make that connection. Because most of the time, people are not going to throw away a handwritten card, especially if it has something positive, you know, something that shares, you know, what they're passionate about. Um, I just, that's what I do. So if anyone wants to keep a pack of thank you cards, I get them from the dollar store, you know, write something really neat in there, put your business card card and then hand it to the presenter, they'll never forget you. Um, and I can say that with certainty because when I've gone back to a different event, they're like, you're Natasha, right? And I'm like, yeah, how did you remember me? Oh, remember the card that you gave me? I'm like, wow, that made such an impact. And it's something so simple, but something so impactful um, that anyone can do it that really doesn't cost any money. I mean, if you want to get more um, unique with it, of course, you can go to Target, but I do the dollar store. I think it does <laughs> just as good. Yep. Now, I'm sure that we can have like an exclusive podcast about business mistakes, you know, like a business mistake one-on-one. Um, what are some, comp some common financial mistakes that you've done, like you've had or you've seen entrepreneurs make when they're just starting out? So mistakes, you know, I've made so many mistakes. You cannot avoid the mistakes. So just take it in your, in your stride, make it a part of your life because they're coming <laughs> even if you don't want them to happen. I've made all kinds of mistakes. Oh my God, I can't even get into you're asking me questions that I have so many things to share. We could talk here for 24 hours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what I see in other people is not having a business plan, you know, not getting clear on that. Um, we talked about that already. Um, mm -hmm. For me, you know, I'm one of, that, one of those people that I'm, sometimes I'm a little impatient. So I, I kind of struggle to see, th see, see things through when I'm testing specific parts, but I've learned, you know, that if I can't give myself that patience to do that, then I'm never going to know the outcome. And it can, you know, I never know what the impact is on my business and I, I end up winging it. So I've kind of learned to build impatience when I'm testing out scenarios or like products or things to let it like run its course mm -hmm. um, to the degree that it makes sense. Um, other mistakes I see people making is not knowing their metrics. So I'm a metrics mm -hmm. girl, I'm a computer science background. So, you know, numbers and things like that in my jam you have to know your metrics you have like if you don't know what your numbers are I'm not talking about finances that's a separate mistake which I'll get to but if you don't know what your metrics are you don't know how many people are visiting your site how many people have bought my product how many people are converting from my sales page to becoming a paying customer how many people are clicking on this link that is going to direct them to this product I'm trying to sell you have to know those numbers you have to get high level understanding of Google Analytics and YouTube is there for that. Tons of videos, mm -hmm. no excuses, um, but you have to know your metrics because your metrics gives you insights to um, your business. Like what is working? What is not working? What do I need to cancel? What do I need to pivot? What do I need to change? Like you have to know those numbers. You have to know what, what people are doing when you put your product out there, right? Is, mm -hmm. is Instagram where people are getting your your product from or is it facebook like where is your audience sitting you have to know your numbers mm -hmm. and then the last thing is um your business finances 
You got to have a business budget. You have to know what it costs you to produce your product or to create your service in terms of the hours, number, uh, amount of time you're spending to create it. You have to know um, what your expenses are for your business. You have to make sure that you're able to break even. So does the cost of your service make sense as it compares to the expenses that you're, you have creating that product or service? Um, you have to have a business budget, like you have a personal budget where you lay out all the expenses you have coming up, all the different projects you want to do, all the different things you put it in your budget and you plan around it. Super, super important. Yes, yes. Key matrix. And I actually have an Excel sheet that's called key matrix. And every Friday, (laughs) I sit down. um, I love Excel. I'm an Excel girl all the way. Um, And I use that for my personal finance for business and for just about everything that I can fit in an Excel sheet, I'll put it in there. Um, And so you did touch on some very key points. I love the profit first method when it comes to, you know, how do you manage your business finance? And for me, it was a real shift because he talks about having five different business accounts. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Why do I need to get all these accounts? What? <laughs> you know? And I actually had to read that book twice to get a clear understanding of it because it's a shift in the market. It's a shift from what you're used to. And in it, he talks about having a hold account. You know, he talks about having an operating expense account, having a profit account, taxes and payroll. Um, so if anyone wants to check out his book. It's called Profit First. I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you're looking to organize your business finance in a healthy way, um, because it helps you uh, manage it so that you can grow and scale your business. Knowing your numbers, like you said, is so key. Oh my goodness. That was a big mistake that I made in the beginning. I just put up my website. I was like, okay, fancy website, all the (laughs) glitter, all the gadgets and my name. Everybody's going to want to know who I am. And crickets. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it's good to have passion, but it's also important to have systems. And I think that, you know, some people uh, often, well, I know for me, when I started out, I didn't realize that passion was not enough. Systems are very essential. Uh, marketing is very essential. So yes, the passion is there to get you started, but it's, it, you need to have some systems in place to help you grow and scale your business. And so systems are very important, knowing your numbers, like you said, and understanding how to balance your finances is key and having that business um, budget. I use Excel, love Excel. I do it for pretty much about everything. Um, So now this is a big one, Bola. How do you remove the element of fear when it comes to getting paid to change the world? You just have to do it. Um, Fear is a limitation that holds you back, right? And you're going to end up regretting um, thinking to yourself, I wish I had, I wish I had. And the other thing to understand is that fear is part and parcel of anything that takes you out of your comfort zone. And starting a business will take you out of your comfort zone. Um, Improving your finances will take you out of your comfort zone. Having a baby will take you out of your comfort zone. So in every your everyday life, you're constantly putting yourself out of your comfort zone in different ways, right? Applying for that job, taking a difficult test. And so you have to think about it this way. Fear is always part of, you're always going to feel an element of fear, but the only thing that fear can do is make you feel a certain kind of way. It's not going to, it doesn't limit you from using your hands and your brain from actually, mm-hmm. to actually get stuff done. So fear is part of the journey, but you just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and put yourself out there. And one of the things I tell myself is I always, I do countdown. So I know I'm going to have a really like difficult day because I have to do a big presentation or I have to talk to like somebody that I don't want to talk to. Or I have to like put myself out there and I'm afraid of this big challenge. And I tell myself, you know what, but it's only going to be an hour and 
you know, look at how quickly an hour has just gone back, gone by. And so I just count that down. Um, and before I know it, it's over and I'm like, Oh my God, I can breathe now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I totally agree. Everything we want is outside of our comfort zone. And I think I spoke to um, a community of women uh, about purpose, about goal setting. I spoke a lot about goal setting last year. Um, and my idea around goal setting is that it allows you to create your future in advance. I think that that has been a gift that has been given to us. And it gives us an opportunity, like I said, to create our future in advance. Um, and what I begin to understand with fear is that I'm not doing something wrong it's just I'm doing something new that I haven't been exposed to and so you know that's when the fear starts to come up that's when you know you're like oh what is this should I be doing this should I be doing that and really it just means that you're doing something new um, and when it comes yep. to yeah it's just like you're doing something new so you haven't done it before so how do I move forward <laughs> you know, past what I'm used to doing. And then one of the things that I really had to understand when it comes to getting paid to change the world is that it's okay to ask for the sale, especially if you've been giving, especially if you've been giving, it's okay to ask for the sale. And my idea around our stewardship is that marketing is a form of stewardship of our gifts and our talents. That's how people get to connect with us. And so if we're doing the right things, if we're in alignment with that, it's okay to sell because you're serving. Serving to me means, you know, selling is also equivalent to serving. And I think it's just a mindset shift, which had to happen for me. Um, I don't know about you, Bola, but, you know, because in the beginning, I felt like I can't charge people for doing this and I can't charge people for doing that. And it had to, I had to come to terms with that. It's okay to earn money, helping good people, doing good work, it's okay to do that. It's okay to get paid to change the world. And so for me, my hashtag that I put all on social media is made to be paid because I, I love that. Yeah. I believe that we were gifted gifts and talents in the same sense that we could serve, help and support people and still earn good money, doing good works, helping good people. And so I put that all throughout my Instagram. It's like made to be paid um, because I think that that really needs to resonate with women there's a lot of beliefs. Like in the beginning, I didn't think that I could be spiritual and earn money um, because of my faith background. And I'm like, no, do, is that my belief? Do I believe with certainty that that is my truth? No, that's not my truth. That's a truth that has been passed down to me. So it's like questioning a lot of the belief systems that um, we, we've heard, um, we've become conditioned to listening to and actually challenging those belief systems, I think is really essential. Now, mm. Bolo, what are some winning habits you practice to help you experience balance between purpose, people and personal time? So for me, it's, this is something that I'm still working on, but you know, definitely um, taking mental breaks. I take mental breaks where I disconnect from my business and I just focus on spending time with my kids and my husband, friends, family, or by myself. So that's really important. I try to do that. You know, sometimes I can go a couple of weeks without doing, but I try to do it at least once a week, like on Sundays. Um, and there are some times where I just take a full week of mental breaking where I'm just I'm not fully disconnected from my business, but I'm very detached where I'm just going to respond to emails on my phone and check in, but I wouldn't do anything. Um, and then I'll just come back and catch up later. And those are times when I'm feeling really overwhelmed, but I, I find that it's really important to have those mental breaks and just step away. You know, you come back refreshed, you come back with new perspective, you come back with new ideas. Um, so that's important. 
the other thing I do is inbox pause um, when I'm actively mm. working because I, I visit the <laughs> boomerang tool that I leverage. I pause my inbox all the time, all the time, every day actually. I'll pause it like by five o'clock, no emails until like 11 the next day. And sometimes I will respond very late because sometimes I may pause my inbox for three days because I just need that. Mm-hmm. And I won't get the email delivered to my phone or my computer. And it's just sometimes just seeing the emails can overwhelm me so that's another thing and then uh, the final thing is one that we've talked about prior on uh, as we've been talking is just reminding myself of my why you know and that kind of helps me stay motivated helps me stay focused on what I'm doing but then balancing that with my mental break so like pausing my messages Mm -hmm. helps me create that balance and it's not perfect but you know working through it for me as a mom, as a wife and everything else that I'm doing, you know, there's probably really no balance, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's probably just harmony, you know, yeah. having there, Yeah, harmony. there isn't balance. It's just you, <laughs> you kind of make it work. You prioritize what matters. And that's, I, I would say that's how I prioritize. Oh, wow. And then I need to implement that pause button. That's something that you shared. So I have to look into doing that. um, Because I have one email I checked yesterday. And please don't judge me. Please. (laughs) One email. It's just like personal email. That's like my junk email. And I have about 14,000 emails in that junk email. And (laughs) that's like the throw all be all if I want to sign up for something. But in my business email, I mean, I just have like maybe eight, nine, you know, so I've kind of, and then we have a family email address where we have uh, specifically where our bills go for the family. We put our photos in Google Drive there um, because it's very difficult to see, you know, the bills and any um, debt or anything that we have going on, you know, with our accounts, we want to be able to clearly see it. So we've decided to create an, an, another account for that main purpose. So, you know, things with the kids for school goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything with our accounts, like I said, financially financial related to our personal finance goes into that. And so me and my husband use that account um, both together. Um, so as you said before, no, there's no such thing as real balance. There's harmony. For me, my son, he's been sick. He's probably, he's been coughing. I could hear him like in the background cough, coughing. Um, he's had strep throat uh, this school year. And you're like, oh, what's going on? Uh, and you're like, but I have to do this and I have to do that. And so being okay to say, you know what, in this moment, you know, being present now, in this moment, this yeah. is what's happening. Let me take care of what matters most first, and then I can move into the next thing. Um, another, for me, a, a key essential that we've had to, what I've had to implement is taking my computer out of my bedroom. That was like a big thing for me. I'm like, but no, my husband calls it my second husband. He's like, where's husband number two? <laughs> and I'm like, he's out there in the living room. <laughs> so he makes a joke about it. But, you know, I wanted to create a sacred space for us. And so having our bedroom be that sacred space, we end up repainting it, redesigning it so that it feels more tranquil um, for us. And so, like you said, just looking for different ways, small things. It doesn't have to be something major, but small things that you can make small shifts and you know I love the thing I love that you share taking a moment to pause I do that very often um, where I decide that I need to disconnect or uninstall apps I uninstall like Instagram I have to because it can become very addictive 
for me at least, and realizing that there's more to life than just social media, you know, everything else. And so just trying to prioritize my day because I think priorities create prosperity. And so I have to kind of remind myself about that. Um, So Bola, what is one quote or mantra you live by? So it is, um, what if, I fail, but oh, what if I fly? And I forget who said this quote, but it's just one thing that reminds me every time I'm trying to, every time I get fit, every time fear kind of steps in the way, um, I remind myself that, oh, yes, you could fail, but this could be massively successful. And that kind of motivates me to do it anyway. I love that quote. What if I fail or what if I fly? Mm, I have to look that up so I can put that on my sticky note, (laughs) the sticky note girl here. (laughs) And Bola, could you complete this sentence for me? To me, designing a life you love means? Pursuing balance, even though it doesn't exist. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, money is not everything. So it's all about being able to give my family that time and give myself that time and just live a good life. Mm, I totally agree. And the way I came about with designing a life you love was simply talking to one of my mentors and also talking to our therapist. And as I was speaking to my mentor and she had built a very successful law practice um, in Honduras and her family decided to relocate to come here. Her mom was on the Supreme Court where they um, live in that, that district. And so she's had this, you know, passion-filled, purpose-driven life. And as I'm sitting there talking to her, crying, boohoo crying and sharing my story and sharing my frustration, she's like, Natasha, you are successful in your own right. And I looked at her and I'm like, what are you talking about? Tears coming down my face. And she's like, it's so important that you design a life that works for you. And it just rang, it just like, I just got light bulbs just coming out of my head. Like if you could just see, and I'm like, that's so true true success and everything else is about designing a life that works best for you, not everyone else, but for you and your lifetime. And so that became very essential. And then my therapist, she actually hit on that again. Like you guys have a beautiful home. You have a you know beautiful family. Everything is in alignment for you. This is something to be thankful for. And so I had to really realize that I wasn't activating in a space of gratitude and I had to go back into doing that and just be Mm. thankful for, you know, everything that I have because, you know, what appreciates appreciates. And I truly believe that. And so I have to make sure that I'm constantly bringing myself back to that space. Okay, Natasha, what are you thankful for? And that's one of my, um, I posted it on Instagram um, because I was working with the client and that's what I have on my mirror. And it says at the end of the day, I would ask myself, Natasha, I forgive you for, and then I would complete that sentence of what did I forgive myself for for that day? Natasha, I commit to, you know, stop. What is something that is not in alignment with what I want to do? Natasha, Mm -hmm. I commit to continue. What is something that's working that you want to keep doing? Natasha, I commit to start, you know, and then I say, Natasha, this is my win for the day. And Natasha, I love you. And so I go through that process each and every day. And It helps me to stay grounded. It helps me to refocus my mindset, my attitude, my behavior. Um, So I thank you, Bola, for being on the Well Silas podcast. For any of the listeners who want to learn more about you, you know, how can they get in touch with you? Thank you so much for having me. Um, Your listeners can find me at Clever Girl Finance. 
um, and on Instagram at Clever Oil Finance, Facebook at Clever Oil Finance, Google Clever Oil Finance. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to find everything about Clever Oil Finance. Now you do have a book coming out, Bola. Could you share that with the audience really quick? Yes, I have a book coming out. It's called um, Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, Build Your Wealth, How to um, Get to Your Happy Place with Your Finances. And this book comes out this summer on June Woo! 25th. <laughs> but it is available from, for pre-order from my publisher at Wiley.com or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or you can just go to clevergirlfinance.com slash book, and you will get all the details there on how to order um, – pre-order this book and I would love it if you guys did. Yeah, I'll have to pre-order my copy. <laughs> I am. Thank you so much, Bola. I'm truly thankful for you being on our podcast, like I said before, for sharing your wealth of wisdom. Um, thank you for operating in excellence. I think that that's really important that even though you've had those struggles, you still are committed to the Clever Girl Finance brand, the women, you know, the platform. Um, and so I just want to thank you and honor you for that. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I'd love to get to know you and hear all about your passions, dreams, and how this podcast has helped you. So please be sure to leave me a review. For more beyond this podcast, visit me at wealthstylist.com to choose your own adventure. This includes joining my free global community, The Wealth Circle, to read the latest on my blog, and to connect with me on social media at Wealth Stylist. Thank you again for tuning in to The Wealth Stylist Podcast.